Today we have uh, Catrice Condon on. She is my hairstylist for my blonde locks. And I have been with her for, gosh, like nine years or something crazy like that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I took a little break, but um, now she's back out in Moore County and she is opening a salon in Pinehurst. And we got to be kind of her announcement for that. Yeah, very exciting. She is, you know, seeing what the struggles are of opening a business right now, going through the whole construction phase and the waiting phase and teaching you patience and perseverance and yeah, <laughs> how to wanting, get through all of that. Wanting things to be done on your timeline right. and having to surrender to a contractor's timeline. If you've ever opened a brick and mortar, you know exactly what that's like. Right. And <laughs> inspections and all the other things that go into it that none of us know until we do it. Yeah. I think one of the really great things that we talk about is the importance of having a mentor in your life and a mentor that can guide you in kind of both directions. They can show you the things that you should be doing in your business and then also teach you some of the things that you don't want to include in your business and how important it is to have that person in your life who can pass on information to you and really to make sure that you have somebody who is a positive influence in your life. Right. Because yeah. so often you could be in a, a situation where, you know, your leader it could end up being a toxic situation. Mm -hmm. That's I definitely learned from toxic situations working other places. Like I will make sure when I run my business, I do not do that mm -hmm. <laughs> or I do not do this. Um, but it's great. And if somebody's working in an environment where they don't have that mentor, they need to seek that out and find that. And that's one of the great things about, you know, our podcast and the community of entrepreneurs and women that we're building, supporting each other is being able to help each other and mentor each other. Yes. And we talk about that. Absolutely. That, you know, at the top, the collaboration is happening <laughs> Right. where you reach out to other people and you can ask questions and connect with them. And we have ideas for how we're going to expand that idea. And yes. we will, we will announce that later, but, um, it's very important to have a network, mentors, and, and connections in the community. And Catrice will have that when she opens up Harlow in Pinehurst this fall. Yeah, so enjoy Catrice. I'm Sarah. I'm Caitlin. Two women discussing all things in business. Welcome to She's, She's the, the Boss. I mean, not live. <laughs> <laughs> this is airing now. This is live on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> it's not live. Oh, yeah. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. This is a long time coming, I feel like. Yeah. It's a little bit of pressure having a hairstylist come. I'm like, oh, maybe I should fix my hair. <laughs> I did this morning, but I showed up for the podcast at the wrong time. I was here real early. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm working out in the garage and I hear like doors close and I'm like, who is here? And I like peek around the corner and there's Sarah grabbing her stuff. I'm like, you're really early. Like three hours. <laughs> three early. hours early. Oh my God, really? Oh. Was, yeah. It's because we have recordings every day this week except for Friday. Oh my God. 
Yeah. That's so exciting, <laughs> so, though. It is exciting. And I saw it on my calendar, but I just didn't look at the time, and I knew all the others were in the morning. And so, yeah, I, I just showed up here at nine ready to go that's okay we made it work we made it work but my hair did look nicer this morning but North Carolina Uh, humidity (laughs) that's how it happens (laughs) yes so Catrice yes um tell us all about you okay so I was originally born and raised in Colorado very small ranching community I moved to North Carolina in 2008 my sister's husband was military, so they were stationed out here. I moved out here to be closer to her. At that time, she was the massage therapist at a salon at, in Fayetteville, and it kind of got me stepping the door to be there, and I stayed there for 15 years. Wow. It's just a short period of time. I just grew up there pretty much. Isn't that so weird to say that as an adult? Like, because for me, like 15 years time span, it seems like a really, really long time, which it right. is. But then I'm like, I'm not old enough to be anywhere for 15 years. Mm-hmm. But we are. I'm like, <laughs> not old enough for that. Yeah. Like, there's no way I was there that long. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, oh, wow. I am. It's like catching up to me. <laughs> so, were you a stylist in Colorado or did you go no. through cosmetology school here? I went through cosmetology school here. So when I was 14, my sister's husband was employed and he was gone for the entire year. And I came out here for the summer to be with her Mm. so she wouldn't be all alone. And at that time, she was just a client um, of the salon that we were at. And I was bored sitting at the house because I don't know how to sit still. Like I like to be busy. I like to be productive. And she asked the salon owner if I could come in and just help out. And of course, like I thought that was the greatest thing ever. 14 years old. (laughs) Sure. Working in a salon, sweeping stations, folding towels. I was so inspired by that. At the end of the summer, I wrote her this really long letter that when I graduated high school, I was moving to North Carolina and I was going to go to beauty school and I was going to be her assistant and I was going to learn from her. But then I was going to move to California or Hawaii. Oh, that's random. <laughs> yeah. And she, of course, looked at that letter and was like, oh, how cute. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Great dreams. Yeah. yeah. And then sure enough, I graduated high school one week later, moved straight to North Carolina, started school. Wow. Assisted her. I did not move to California or Hawaii, though. No, no. That never <laughs> came staying. around. That never came around. <laughs> Glad I'm staying. Have you always been the type of person that's like, no, I'm going to do this thing and then it comes to fruition? Yes. When I have made my mind up on something, like, that is it. There's no if ands, or buts. I have never questioned being a hairstylist, like I knew from the age of 14 that that's what I was going to do. And I've always felt like very grateful for that because so many people, you know, at 18 years old, they're like, what do you want to do for the rest of your life? They don't have a clue. But I was very like, no, this is it. This is what I'm meant to do. There's there's no other option. Like this is what's going to make me happy. And it always has. And did you always love doing hair? Like oh, as a yeah. little girl, were you like the one that was oh, like yeah. curling people's hair and all oh, that? Oh yeah, cutting my Barbie's hair, oh, yeah. styling them. Oh yeah, constantly. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so there you are, the ripe age of eighteen. Yep. In Just a baby. Fayetteville. In Fayetteville. <laughs> yeah. Like that's not Which, a place people really aspire to come to typically. No. Right. <laughs> but 
when I, growing up in that small town, we're talking like, I graduated with 17 and it was public. We were an hour away from a grocery store. Oh, wow. So Fayetteville was huge to me. Yeah. Like, that was, and then you think Raleigh, and then when I went to New York City, I had lots of experiences with the salon owner that I was with for so long. You know, my eyes were just really opened up. Mm-hmm. So... So what do you mean New York City? You went to visit or you went up there to study or? So she, we would go to hair shows in New York and Chicago. Um, She sent me to classes in Santa Monica, California. So you did get to go to California. Oh yeah. I did (laughs) get to go. You just didn't move. Yeah. I just didn't move there. Yeah. I realized I'd probably be living on a cardboard box. Sure. That was not going to be fun. Yeah. So, (laughs) um, but we had coloring and cutting academies in New York Santa Monica, I mean, she education was a big deal there, and I always really appreciated that. Yeah, that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Wow. So she took you under her wing. Yep. And there's, I think this, in that industry, correct me if I'm wrong, but um, there's a lot of hustle in the beginning. There's oh, a lot absolutely. of, like, do a little bit of the grunt work, start at the bottom, work your way up. There is no like, I graduated cosmetology school. Give me all the clients and I'm going to rent a booth. Which is where so many young girls get into the industry and don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. I mean, they really don't have a clue of like, they think, oh, I'm going to go to beauty school and everybody's going to want to sit in my chair. It doesn't work like that. No, Mm -hmm. people are picky about their hair. Like if I just heard, oh, this girl just graduated beauty school, I'd be like, so "Mm." who else do you have? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So because I assisted the entire time I was in beauty school, I felt very comfortable by the time that I was ready to start running a booth. um, I already had clients wanting to be in my chair because they were very comfortable with me. Mm -hmm. So I had a level of confidence that a lot of girls I went to beauty school with didn't. I mean, the dropout rate of beauty school is very high. I think I started with like 15 and only three of us graduated on time. Mm -hmm. Like really high. Yeah. And I think only, I think only four of us are still doing hair. Why do you think that is? Girls get into the industry thinking it's going to be a lot easier than what it is. They don't realize like how hard it is that, oh, you're standing on your mm-hmm. feet all day long. Mm-hmm. You forget to eat a lot of times. You, those first couple years of your life are not your own. Like you were working hard. You're hustling. You are there late at night. You are there on the weekends. And they don't see that. They think, oh, I'm just going to make people look pretty all day long. Mm-hmm. They don't realize how much chemistry goes into color. They yeah. don't realize like how hard it is to be both a, to do really well in cutting and coloring, to be a true like colorist and a true cutter. I mean, it's hard to find a hairstylist that's very well-rounded in both, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just saying that like gives me a little bit of anxiety because, well, because I've never been to cosmetology school, but I'm just like, gosh, there's so much pressure because you have yeah. somebody's looks that you are taking care of. And that's yes. like, front and center is your hair. You know what I mean? It like makes your whole, you know, persona almost. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All throughout college, I actually worked in salons in Charlotte. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I started it. Oh no, I did at the mall, right? Yeah. Carmen. It was called Carmen Carmen. I don't, (laughs) I think it's still open, but then they like started a chain and branched out. And then I started working for Aveda as a professional. 
that's what it was called. So, um, which was great because we actually moved to Colorado Springs. And so as soon as I got married, actually, before I even moved out there, I got a job there at the salon there. But yeah, I remember there were a lot of stylists that only did color or only did cuts. So we were having to schedule like it was like a puzzle. Okay, so you're going to get color with Debbie at this time and it'll take about this long to process but she'll be processing someone mm. else at the same time and then you'll have yes. to go get a wash and then you're cut and so and, it's and like Ada is definitely known for that like they have just colors and just their cutters like mm-hmm. you're not generally both so the saloner was like always really intense about like making sure we had that education to make us very well-rounded in both and some people have a natural ability mm. and some people don't right um I always felt very fortunate because I did have a natural ability for it. I just understood. But I was very into art growing up, a lot of painting, cutting. I liked sculpture, things like that. So people don't realize those really go hand in hand. Like, Yeah, I can imagine. I truly look at hair as a canvas. And when you're cutting, like, it's kind of sculpting to me. So it's almost like therapeutic and I've just... I've always had that natural ability. So it wasn't super challenging for me, which I felt very fortunate because some girls I've seen them work for years and they just don't have that natural ability and they want it so bad and they work so hard for it, but they just can't see some of those things. Mm -hmm. That's just not how their brain works. works. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be exhausted at the end of the day just from talking to people. Oh my gosh. We talk about this all the time. (laughs) I'd get home and be like, Nobody talked to me. Done. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't listen to music on the car ride home. Like it's dead silence. Well, I'm yeah. Because you have so much going on in the salon. You're connecting yes. with the client that's in your chair, but then you also have the person next to you who's talking and connecting with their client. And then maybe every now and again, you guys are saying something to each other. Right. And then you have blow dryers and then you have the whatever machine to dry the things and the music and yeah. the washing bowl. It's constant. A sensory overload. Yeah. All day long. All day long. All day long. long. And then you're standing on your feet and you're hearing about the depths of people's lives. Yes. They tell you everything. (laughs) Everything. We're like bartenders. (laughs) They just like sit in your chair and it's just like it all comes out. And you're like, wow, I could have gone without knowing all of that. But (laughs) sure. Well, a lot of it, I'm sure, is like you don't even know how to respond to it because you're not like a therapist kind of like therapists i know but we you're not like a trained a therapist i agree in therapy i swear yeah you know, so many people come in like okay it's time for my therapy session and i just kind of <laughs> laugh but i will say you have to be like a really good listener and i'm i've become very good at that of just being able to listen and a lot of times it's all people need is to be heard mm-hmm. you don't even have to say anything just to listen and be there for somebody when they're really going through some really hard times or some really good times, it's amazing to like watch them go through it all. Mm-hmm. And you get the job of making them feel good about themselves by yeah, exactly <laughs> walking out feeling refreshed and not just having, you know, a platform to be able to talk to someone with an objective opinion. Exactly. Because you're not going to, you know, know all these people or whatever is going on yeah. in their life most of the time to not feel comfortable talking to you then they leave feeling good as well yeah I love leaving the salon (laughs) (laughs) so I started going to Catrice I can't even remember how we all started going to you in Fayetteville but so Katie oh you know okay great great who who has been on the podcast Uh uh-huh Katie um 
was working at Methodist University, which is right next to the salon. That's right. And she had had some hair trauma. Uh. <laughs> Sorry for that. It was not good. She had gone somewhere and it was just bad. And we wound up having to fix it and kind of start over. And then before I knew it, I had multiple of her friends coming in. And then you started seeing me after like Jenna. Mm-hmm. And Jet, like, my, there was the like a whole nanny group. that became the godmother. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, there was a whole group There's of us. There's a whole group. From coming from Cameron down to Fayetteville. Yeah. To see you. Yep. And then we, all of us, basically moved out here to Moore County. Yep. And I think Jenna kept driving to Fayetteville to see you. Yeah, so did Katie. And Katie, Katie kept driving. Dana drove for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. People's did. hair is important. That's a lot oh, of pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So then when did you move out here? So I moved out here last year, March of last year. Yes. So my husband um, and I met, let's see, I was 20. So, you know, 13 years ago. And at that time he was living in Pinehurst. His parents lived, uh, or they had a house around the corner from the salon. So he was running an errand for him. He was a walk-in haircut. And at that time, like, we, you know, we met. He was a walk-in haircut, started dating. And really, like, our beginning of our relationship kind of started in Pinehurst in Moore County. And we've always loved the area. We got married here 10 years ago. And we always wanted to move out here, but it was terrifying to be honest like I had built a really strong clientele I was very well rooted in the salon that I was at he was really well rooted with his work um and for years I mean I remember telling you like when you were building your house here I remember oh my gosh move out there I'm so excited for you if I had an opportunity to move to Pinehurst Moore County I would do it in two seconds flat well, last year I was like, we've got to make the opportunity for ourselves. Yeah. We can't be <laughs> yeah. scared anymore. Like we have to just do it. Our oldest one had gotten into school and it was just not what we wanted. And we really started thinking like, okay, where do we truly want to raise our family? And it wasn't really where we were at. So we, in the housing market being crazy, we put our house in the market, sold it, moved over here. It was all no very time quick. Flat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it happened so fast. And it was the best thing we could have ever done. So we've been here for a little over a year now. I commuted for about a year. Wow. How many kids awful. do you so have? Crazy. Three. So we've got two little boys and a little girl. And it was brutal. That commute just about killed me. But I really thought like, oh, people commute all the time. I can do it too. It's not that big of a deal. I'm like, oh, these people don't have three children at home. Okay, that or makes maybe more they sense. do, and they have like they feel like they have no choice, and so they right. just continue to suffer through it, and their life ends up in kind of shambles, and they're yeah. stressed all the time. Yeah, and that's just how they think life is. Right. That's just normal. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you don't yeah. have to do that. No. Obviously, obviously, here you are. <laughs> yeah, well, and you, I contemplate that all the time and talk to even other music instructors they're like oh yeah I travel to people's houses to do lessons and I'm like that's great but you could fit in like four more lessons a day if you weren't driving sure (laughs) during that drive time all Mm -hmm. those times and that's the same with you like if you were commuting over an hour you could 
you know, see a couple more clients within that time right. frame and not spend the money on the gas <laughs> going yeah. all the way there. Right. In your suburban. Yeah. Or the stress. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. That's a gas sucker. But and the stress of traffic from here to there is quite crazy, especially if you get stuck behind a convoy. That's oh, yeah. always fun. Is your husband military? No, or? he's not. Mm-mm. Okay. No. Which is rare in this area. It is. Isn't it's it? very rare. <laughs> um, his parents had kind of moved all over. They went from like New York State to Washington State to Tennessee, and that's where he went to college. And then they moved here. When he moved out here to be close to them, then they wound up moving to Florida. <laughs> and he wound up staying. But his sister and her husband, his sister's husband was Air Force. And so they were stationed over here in Moore County for a long time. Oh, and that's so that's good. really what, kind of what brought him to Pinehurst area. Gotcha. Yeah. So what was the process like leaving your comfy home in Fayetteville? Not your actual home, but can, we, can we say the clip joint? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the clip joint was where I was at for 15 years. Yeah. Um, it was terrifying. You find comfort in like knowing your day-to-day routine, right? You find comfort in like knowing what to expect. And of course. it's terrifying the idea of leaving. Yeah. And let's be honest, like for a hairstylist, when you leave, like you know you're gonna wind up losing people if it's too far away, mm-hmm. right? That's just a part of it. And I really thought by moving an hour away, I was gonna have to like start over. And I had built like this very cushy lifestyle, like that was scary to me. Um, but then it got to a point where, I mean, because I've always worked insane hours. I don't know how to do anything else, <laughs> honestly. This last year has been the biggest, like, trial run for me of, like, figuring out what makes me happy, what is going to be best for, like, my well-being and my family's well-being. Um, but there was a point where... I mean, I was leaving in the morning. I got to see my boys for 30 minutes in the morning. And by the time I was getting home, everybody was asleep. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd worked 10, 12 hours. Mm-hmm. I'd done it for years, though, so I didn't think anything of it. But that drive home about killed me because, I mean, it really makes you sit in everything. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there thinking, and you're just, how am I going to do this? And then with kids in school, I was very naive. My two older boys are in school now, so – um. I was naive to think that, okay, when the boys got in school, life will get easier because then I just have to yeah. worry about the two-year-old. Right. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. No, it's just a so different much set of problems or, you know, a different set of like life, you and know, it's like you, it's, a, it's yeah. a trade-off. You traded one thing for this other thing yeah. in this new phase. Yeah. Yeah. But I think yeah. that that's what every mom or parent thinks. Like, okay, once they hit this, then this will happen, you know? Yeah. And it's like, Oh, maybe that thing happens, but then a new set of things you weren't even prepared for happened too. <laughs> right. Right. Ugh, parenting. I don't ever think it gets easier. I think it just changes. Yeah, I agree. It never truly gets easier, though. The bigger the kid, the bigger the problem. Exactly. <laughs> uh. That's my quote. <laughs> but it's funny because once you go through it once, I don't know if you know, I have a spread from almost 18 all the way to two. Oh, my And gosh. so once you, like. Teresa's like. once you go through it once you realize like oh this battle is not worth picking right (laughs) Right. because you see like this could be a much bigger issue than them walking around the house with a spoon of peanut butter so (laughs) 
<laughs> getting it on the walls. No big deal. Whatever. It's fine. Right. Meanwhile, you're dealing with an 18 year old issues. Yeah. 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 It's way bigger. <laughs> so was there like a pivotal moment? Was there a day you remember or like a conversation you had where you were like, nope, it's time. Yes. I'm really good at holding all of my emotions in, like keeping it together. My world could be falling apart and not one of my clients would probably be really knowing what's going on. They would just think that I was my normal happy-go-lucky self. And I remember going in the kitchen at the end of the night, cleaning up, and the salon owner's husband um, I was very close to, and he died um, three years ago from cancer. Yeah. And they kind of took on this like mother and father role for me because I moved out here when I was 18. I was mm -hmm. a baby, you know? And so they really kind of stepped into those positions. So when he died, it was tough. It was tough on me. Um, and then she wound up remarrying um, to a very sweet man. I mean, super, super sweet. So I was in the kitchen talking with him. And he had a house actually out here in Whispering Pines a long time ago. And he was like, you know, how are you liking it out there? I'm like, I love it. I'm like, it's wonderful. Um, he's like, well, how are the kids doing in school? I'm like, they're, they're really, really good. I'm like, they're great. I said, but honestly, I thought that it was going to be easier when they got in school. And he just kind of laughed at me. Mm -hmm. and he's like, no, he goes, it's only going to change. And I was like, yeah, I feel like I'm missing out on everything. My husband is picking up the mm -hmm. slack on everything. And my husband just handles everything really well. But you could tell, like, the stress was, like, settling in on him of doing dinner time, homework, after school sports. And he's like, I am one person. Yeah. We have three children. This this takes both of us. Like, mm -hmm. I can't do this myself. Mm -hmm. And I've just known how to work all these years. I mean, I've that's what I've done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any different. And... All of a sudden, I just looked at her husband in the kitchen, and I started bawling, mm. bawling. And he's probably just like, oh, my God. <laughs> what have I done? What just happened here? Yeah. And then Melody walks in the salon owner, and she's like, honey, what's wrong? And I, like, just lost it, just absolutely lost it. And she goes, oh, you're, you're a strong woman. I've seen you go through work. Like, you can handle this. You're fine. You can do it. And I'm like, Mel, like, I, I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this commute. Like, this is harder than I expected. Mm -hmm. And she goes, you, you need to move over there. You need to switch salons. So and I just kind of looked at her like, <sighs> she said it. Right. <laughs> it was and almost like. And it was, I mean, but I, and I had considered it, but that was terrifying to yeah. me. It was I almost mean, like she gave you permission. Yeah, in a like way. Like mom gave you permission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, exactly. Um. And it was like, that was very pivotal for me because I never thought she would ever say that. Um, so that was, that was a big, big thing for, for both of us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And she was very supportive and the whole move over here of me trying to find a, a salon to work at and like what to expect and things like that. She did not have children of her own, but she was very understanding of like me having children and like what's going to be best. She goes, you're in the world that we live in today your children need you to be a part of your life. Like there's yeah. no, there's no option. They need to come first. And she's like, you can't do that from here. You can't continue to commute and make that happen. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to 
transition over here. It took me a little bit to find a spot. Um, and then, you know, I've been over here since February. So it's been nice not having to commute for that. I feel like hairstylists and salons and availability here is similar to childcare because um, I'm always like, mm. oh, I have a free, I have a free day next week i'm gonna try and get my hair done and i they're call. like we'll see you in october yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but, well i'll look like a mop by then but okay yeah yeah i feel like it's really hard to get in here so it is now i will say i was very surprised by moving over here i really thought that a lot of my clients would not follow and i generally stayed 10 to 12 weeks booked out so I, you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to expect this, like by, by moving, a lot of people aren't going to come. I have been completely surprised. Almost everybody followed me. There was only a couple like really late night people mm-hmm. that it was too much for them. And honestly, that's kind of where I needed to back off from being so late at night. Like, right. I, I didn't need to be getting home at nine, 10 o'clock at night. Like no. that's not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so that really surprised me i mean even for eyebrow waxes it's crazy like people will drive they don't care mm-hmm. an hour hour and a half they're uh-huh. like girl you got a bad set of brows <laughs> <laughs> it's a game changer right yeah so i know for us i remember um i think jenna texted me and she was like catrice is is gonna move out here like salon wise gonna move out here and i was like what i was so excited um and then it was like a couple of months and I was like, doo, 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 doo. <laughs> like, I was like, is this going to happen? Is this not going to happen? I was terrified. Yeah. What was Legitimate really important terrifying. for you in like in your move? It was important for me to find a space that was aesthetically pleasing. So since listening to the podcast, <laughs> I have now I just stare like... at Sarah because she does not understand that. So it's us against her right now. <laughs> so I'm Duck into the whole Enneagram. And yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm a definite three. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Everything um, you've said, I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. So that's been really interesting to find out and yeah. figure out about myself. I'm like, oh. Now, I will say I wasn't really mad about it. It just made things more clear. Uh-huh. Um, but a place that was aesthetically pleasing was a big deal to me. And then finding a place where I felt very comfortable and that I felt like my clients would be comfortable in. And then the other big thing is, so I do hair and microblading and finding a spot that I could do both things was very challenging around here. Mm. I was really surprised there was not a whole lot in Pinehurst itself. Um, There's a lot in Southern Pines, Mm -hmm. um, but there was not a lot of availability to get into. And then I had found a little spot in Vass that had, they've been opened up, I think, for like a year and a half now. Um, so I'm over at Bronze Salon, which has been great. Um, and it's very aesthetically Yes, amazing. it's very it's beautiful. Aesthetic. They did a beautiful <laughs> job on their renovation. It's great. Yeah, it's gorgeous. And then a new opportunity became available for me to have my own spot in the village of Pinehurst. Ooh. And so that is going to be the new adventure. Yeah. I wasn't really expecting it but it's all I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason and so yeah so it's going to be exciting so how does it work as a hairstylist or I'm sure it's 
different for different salons, but where I worked, we controlled everybody's schedule, all the payroll, everything. And I don't Uh know if that was just part of how like Aveda salons work. Yeah. So most of that's going to be like commission based. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've always been in a booth rental situation Mm -hmm. and so, I mean, really you control your own book, you control everything yourself. You're just renting that space and you're running your own business out of it essentially. And that's what people don't really get. I feel like, Right, because you can't be like, oh, hold on, let me stop cutting your hair so I can work on the business aspect. So when you're saying that you're working in the salon till late at night, that doesn't even include the business aspect. That just includes the hair. Correct. So then you have to still go home and you have all the business stuff to do. For being in a salon, I since I've worked in multiple, I know that it can be a very dramatic tight place to work Mm. and a lot of pressure because if someone's hair gets messed up or whatever and then they switch stylist within the same salon and then there can be hard feelings um clearly you didn't have that where you worked probably for 15 years or maybe some of it but not bad enough for you to leave if you stayed (laughs) that long but how do you like when you walked into the salon where you're working and where you're going like how do you do you just like get a gut feeling like this is a place where I went to work. Like, I feel like this will be a good work environment. Yeah. I mean, talking with the owners, feeling like we had things that were in common, um, things like that, that you you do, you just kind of get a good gut feeling if if it's going to be a good fit for you. Is there anything you can think of that an owner, since a lot of people that listen to this um, own their own businesses, what they do that made you feel comfortable coming there? Like things that they would say or... Um, I mean, it was just kind of a, we had a really good conversation when I first talked to him and it's very much like you kind of, you come in and you're doing your own thing. If that makes sense. Like you come in, you run your business, you you're running your schedule from that. And that's, that was kind of it. Um, which some salons can be very, like, they try to tell you what to do, micromanage you in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and can be tough on you in those aspects. And so I think a lot of hairstylists, like, we're creatives, right? Like, we want to just feel like we have a space to be ourselves, create what what it is that, you know, is our style and our look and not feel like we're going to get analyzed from it or that our clients aren't going to be comfortable in those spaces or feel like we have a space that we can grow in. Mm. Yeah. Does that answer your question? Yeah. Yeah. I just didn't know if like when you go in, if they, like I would think they may have more conversation about how you are as a person or like make more of a personal connection. Like what it is, what was it about that person that you felt like it was the right place other than it being aesthetically pleasing? Because if you came to me, we're right. Yeah. I mean, I our place is ugly. Like we do have a brand and <laughs> it is Sorry. pretty. I just like snarfed on you. It's our place not, isn't ugly. It's not ugly. I mean, it's all color coordinated. I do think about it. Um, but I do think about that when I'm like hiring people and they're choosing between places. Like, what am I doing to make that connection with them? I to make think them that feel? that's very important. I mean, to have that personal connection to make them feel comfortable where they're at, um, to make them feel like that there's some type of community mm-hmm. there. I mean, I came from a salon where like we really felt like we were family. 
you know, I mean, we all kind of knew each other and like what was going on in each other's lives. I mean, we knew each other's kids' names and all of that. I mean, it, it's hard to find that and it's hard to build on that. Um, and one thing that I will say after leaving, I did realize like how much Melody made a, there was a definite, um, what's the word I'm looking for, Caitlin, where it's like, or that's the word, yeah. culture. She had a definite culture mm-hmm. at Clip Joint. Um, and that's really big to me to find that culture and to have that culture of what what makes this place work really well? What makes hairstylists feel like they have opportunity to grow? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be really important for me. I've realized how fortunate I was to have the level of education that I've been able to have. Which is um, huge because huge. as a stylist, it's like you could go to cosmetology school in 1989 and only take enough. Do you guys have continuing education credits you have to have? Yeah. So you have to have continuing education to renew your license. Every um, year? Is that like a yearly? Yeah. Okay. And honestly, like beauty school really doesn't teach you that much. Everything's very dated. Mm-hmm. So. I can imagine. It's really bad. <laughs> Do they teach you the business aspect of no. it in beauty school? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. They don't teach you the beauty as- or the business aspect. I mean, they teach you how to pass your state boards. That's mm-hmm. what they teach you. Mm-hmm. I mean, supposedly some of the other schools, they te- they hit on that. Um, but to me, what I've always been told, it doesn't matter if you went to Aveda. It doesn't matter if you went to Paul Mitchell and you paid a lot of money or if you went to the community college down the road. Because it's all about the experience you get in the salon and mm-hmm. what education that they can give you there that's where you're going to really learn and grow i mean i learned everything from being in the salon day in day out on how to talk to clients like why are you mixing that color when you're putting this on so that way you understand more so because beauty school is only going to teach you those basics Mm. and so many girls get out of school and i think that's why there's such a high dropout rate they get out of school and they don't have a clue like yeah. they don't really know where to begin. Yeah. And it's such a high pressure, like I said, a high yeah. pressure job. You will have somebody's looks in your hands. Right. And if you don't, don't have mess somebody it up. to mentor you, <laughs> yeah. like how are you going to grow as a stylist? Like young stylist need somebody to like help mentor them. That's I think like grow almost them. any industry. You yeah. need a mentor, somebody to guide you who is further on the journey yes. than you, who can say, hey, here's these milestones that we're working towards. Absolutely. Here's these courses. Here's yep. this book that you should read. Here, watch me do this thing and take this all in. Yep. That's how we learn is those hands-on experiences. Yeah. Right? That's like all these kids coming out of college and they're like, why can I not get a six-figure job with my communications degree? Mm. It's like, well, you need some life experience. Yes. Everything's great great in theory go actually do go do it yeah <laughs> get some real world experience absolutely yeah so do you plan to do you want to tell us the name of the salon so it's gonna be harlow and um t- tell us about harlow so i had a very hard time coming up with a name mm-hmm. everything that i had kind of played around with i felt like was taken or I'd be like oh i love this and then i'd look it up i'm like oh well yeah that's overused or mm-hmm. you know you try yeah. to be original <laughs> And my husband wanted me to name it after our daughter. And I felt like that was playing favoritism. 
because she is the only little girl. She's a girl yeah. and she's the baby. Yeah. <laughs> and the boys are probably already like, why does she get away with everything? Uh-huh. And now she's going to get a salon named after her. Like what? So I was like, well, honestly, I feel like running a business is like, I feel like I'm giving birth to another child. Absolutely. Like, this is my next baby. Yeah. And so Harlow was one of my baby names. Yeah. <laughs> This is your, so this, this is, is your second child. girl. Yeah. Oh, cute. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And you guys will be where? Um, so in the village right behind Agora. We're going to be. Oh, it's like the perfect spot. It's so cute. Yeah, it is so, so cute. cute. All the natural light. Yes. You can come get your coffee. Yes. Pop over and get your hair done. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. It's we such took a great our location. pictures at Agora and in that little alleyway right there yeah. where your salon's going to be it's beautiful it's yeah so cute. i was over there the other day um not even the other day anymore but it feels like the other day um with jenna having uh-huh. coffee and we were like let's go peek in the windows <laughs> <laughs> so we like opened the gate and we were like looking in there and we were like oh i wonder what she's gonna do with this and that you know uh-huh. super super sneaky um but i imagine it's a lot further along now than <sighs> Sadly, it's not. Uh, okay. It's been really hard. I mean, I yeah, feel like that's kind of what happens with businesses, right? Like, especially in the construction phase. Mm-hmm. Um, things like you think are going to go this way and you have it all lined up and it's going to be perfect. And I demand perfection. And then it just does not go that way at all. And you're like, oh, okay, well, let's reanalyze. Yeah. It's so like we had to find a new contractor. Um, which is, you know, fine. But then we, Latitude, his name's Tyler Cooking. He's amazing. Oh, the most beautiful homes. Oh my gosh. They're so talented. So amazing. And I immediately had such a good gut feeling about them. And so now like things are starting to roll, thankfully. So what all are you going to offer there? And are you doing booth rentals for other hairstylists or how is all of that going to work? So... I will have a microblading room that is separate, um, and then it'll have four chairs in the salon part, um, and then I would like to be able to run out a couple of chairs. I'm used to running two chairs. Um, I will say, like, I kind of have, like, a cozy little corner over at Clip Joint, if you remember. We did, yeah. Like, I had two chairs over there. It was very cozy. I kind of had it going on in that little space over there. (laughs) And so it was tough for me to kind of like, okay, well, now I don't have two chairs and a lot of space to kind (laughs) of juggle everything throughout the day. So it'll be nice to be able to have like, you know, those two chairs and be able to run out a couple of chairs. But I want to be very particular about who I put in that spot because it's going to be a very intimate spot. And... I want to be able to work well with them or potentially find somebody that I can help mentor to help them grow as a stylist. Um, Caitlin, I've talked about this before too of, you know, things change a lot when you're in your twenties and you're trying to figure out who you are and what makes you happy. And then, and you're still learning so much about yourself. And then in your thirties, you're like, okay, I'm confident in who I am. And then you start hitting, you're like, okay, like I, I can start sharing this with other people, right? (laughs) Like, oh, I really do know my stuff. Like, let's, let me help somebody else know this too. Yeah. I figured out a few things along the way Yeah, yeah, that you feel confident in being able to give back and share and guide. 
Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine it only goes up from there. Like my mom always says her favorite decade was her 40s. Really? And I don't hear that from a lot of women. I don't think. I think a lot of women say it's their 30s. Yes. Oh, don't tell me that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Getting ready to turn 40. <laughs> no, my mom, she swears like her favorite decade was her 40s. And um, I'd, I'd have to ask her. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly what it was. But I would imagine it is more of that like, oh, I feel like I've grown up a little bit more. I'm more mature, but I'm still fun, Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. So um, what what do you think specifically you're looking for in bringing stylists in? So I mean, it's going to be professional. Um, I have learned that I came from an environment that it was very kind of strict I mean she held a very high standard Mm -hmm. right and I understand now I will say like why she did a lot of the things that she did one of the times that like I didn't really understand like uh, she might be in a maybe she's being a little bit much on that but now (laughs) I get it I totally get it Mm -hmm. um but having that level of professionalism like I I want a space that feels like it's luxury that clients can come in and feel like, oh, yes, like this is exactly what I needed. I, I want to have that space where people feel like this is an upscale place. I'm going to get a high end level of um, service that they know that they're going to have the best products from educated stylists. And that I mean, that makes a difference to me. Right. Like. I've learned that some stylists, like they, they learn certain parts of color and they still have a lot more to grow. Right. Um, and I've been fortunate to really have been able to dive deep into like color theory and things like that and knowing why certain colors work better for certain reasons. And I want to have a stylist or other stylists in there that want the same things of like, okay, yeah, like teach me the ways, like how, how does this all work? How does this all play? So we're not doing the same kind of things every single day. Cause that's get, that gets boring. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're doing the same thing every single day, how are you going to juggle educating new people, still being a mom running your clients and business and like the whole salon aspect? Or are you still like, I have no idea. I'm just jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a little bit. I've really thought a lot about that. I feel like I will be able to be in a place where I could step back um, one of the days and really focus on like all the admin work, right? Which I kind of do as is right now on like Mondays are kind of my admin days is what I consider them. Um, and then I'm in the salon Tuesday through Friday. I don't work Saturdays anymore. Um, Good for you. Which was really hard yeah. for me. That was tough. Yeah, because some people can only come Saturdays. Right, evenings so and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Like when you're new, that is where you're starting out. That's when people can come is after work and on the weekends. You know. Did so you that think that tough. you held on to that for a while? Oh, I just gave it up like this year. No, I know, I know, <laughs> I know you did. But do you think you held on to it in a sense of like, no, I'm still in this mode of like hustle a little bit I I have to be able to be available for my clients or what if they don't see me anymore because they can't come on Saturday do you think you held on to like that sort of mindset yes so I have a tendency to be a people pleaser Uh so whenever it's going to be best for the client right instead of what's going to be best for me yeah and my family um and I'd kind of put that to the wayside like I was second 
you know, anybody that sat in my chair was first. And I really needed to get my priorities straight in that mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, my kids and my family's what's first, right? I would say it took me like five years in business to get over that, like trying to please mm-hmm. everybody. And still, still it's hard now. Like I know what, no matter what decision I'm going to make, it's going to upset somebody. <laughs> like, right. Of course. But I would always try and bend over backwards to help these people. And then I realized, oh, if it were a priority for them, they would bend over backwards. Right. So like if it were truly a priority for them to come see you, then they would take a little time off work yeah, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. plan further ahead or whatever it may be. So it's like, why, why should we sacrifice our family, our mental health, our physical health to always bend over backwards because if it were a priority for them, they would as well. Absolutely. So you can only do it so much like, yes, do it sometimes for those people that, you know, typically make it a priority, but the ones that start taking advantage of you constantly, you just, you just have to put your family first. Otherwise the burnout definitely sets in. I think it's a season of life thing too. Mm-hmm. Cause when you're starting out, there is that expectation right. that you're going to do whatever it takes to make this thing happen and to, yes. for you, like build your clientele or, you know, for us, it's like, yes, if I have to come in and do an interview, you know, at 6 PM <laughs> when you're first starting out, it's like, that's what we have to do to make this happen. So when you're starting a business, yes, the expectation should be, am I in a season of life that I can support this hustle? Because it's going to require a lot of me. Yes. And am I physically and mentally ready to be able to do that? Do mm-hmm. I have rituals and routines in place that support my mental health while I'm in this season? Right. And then you get to a point where you have to reassess and say, okay, Am I now in a place where I've built this thing enough to be able to delegate a little bit more and stop working Saturdays or have somebody else do interviews or somebody else respond to emails, you know, and, and let go of that control to say like, oh no, I've built it to be this thing. Yes. Release that a little bit. You don't have to be there for everything. You don't have to do everything. You can delegate. But I think as business owners, we have our babies, right? We do. Our fourth baby, like you said, where you feel like it's your responsibility. You feel a responsibility for it instead of a responsibility to it to show up and work on it instead of in it. It's just a completely different mindset. And I, if you don't stop and step back and look at your business, you can just stay in the hustle forever. Right. And for me, I put the guilt on myself because I'm like, I feel like I have to be there for everything because I don't want my staff to think I'm not supporting what they're doing if I don't show up. Yes. So it's hard to like relay like, I think you're doing an amazing job, but if I'm not there to tell them that or see it or support them, Mm -hmm. but it's like, I can only be in so many places, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's really hard to relay that. And I know Caitlin probably has a lot of advice and we could probably do a whole podcast on like culture, culture (laughs) and how to make your staff feel appreciated, even if you're not physically there for everything. Yeah. Right. It is. It's um, it's a large undertaking and it's not something that happens overnight. It is right. like an overhaul of your practices and routines, especially when you're in a place where people feel unappreciated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we were just talking about this yesterday, just appreciation in general. Um, and it's hard when people 
tend to naturally look at the things that are going wrong instead of naturally the things that are going right. And I am a person that views the world as half full. I am always like, oh, this thing's going great. And I like this and this is going to work out. And then, you know, we have the other side of that, which is Luke. And he's like, well, have you thought about this and and that bad thing and (laughs) this thing that could go wrong? So you need the balance of both. But when you're coming back from a culture of people who tend to look at what things are wrong, you have to like literally retrain your brain right now. So yeah, building that company culture where you trust the people you bring in right? and you can oversee, but not micromanage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, um, it's a balancing act. I hate the word like, oh, have balance. Good luck. If it's always going to be in balance. That's why I call it a balancing act. Exactly. Because <laughs> right. I feel like it's so hard to find that balance. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I really didn't ever think that I would kind of go this route because I watched Melody from Clip Joint, like she's had a business for over 30 years mm-hmm. and she's always had a very good name and a very good reputation. I feel like most people in Fayetteville know of the Clip Joint and they know that like that is probably the nicest salon within the area. Does she, she still cut hair? Oh yeah. She's still on the floor. I mean, but for years I have watched her like her whole life was revolved around that salon Mm -hmm. she didn't have children like that was truly her baby right like she worked 12 14 hour days a lot of times and she felt like if I am older than you and I can do it and I'm almost twice your age then there's no reason you can't and she held all of us to a, a very high standard right and that's why a lot of people couldn't handle it um but she, I wouldn't say, and she would probably agree with me, she did not have a good work-life balance. And then her husband getting sick with cancer really put a lot of things in perspective for her, mm-hmm. you know? And that's really, really hard of like, okay, if I'm not here every day, like I think she truly thought like I need to be at the salon every single day or it's not going to run, right? And that was not the case. I think it opened her eyes up to when her husband was sick and then she couldn't be in the salon at all because he was in hospice that, oh, my girls have this. They know what they're doing. Yeah, They can run this thing. without me. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. Like the whole thing, everything's okay. They've got my back. And I think that was, it's really sad for the, how it had to happen. But I think it was really good for her because she was able to like step back and be like, okay, I'm not going to work until 10 or 11 at night anymore. Like... I need to have a work-life balance. And then I've watched that because I started following in those footsteps, right? And I would get home super late, even with having young infants at home. And that was just my norm. And I was like, okay, I have to be here for everybody else. And it took watching that and then my kids getting into school. I'm like, okay, yeah, we really need to figure this out because this is not sustainable, yeah. We can't do this. It sucks that sometimes it takes tragedy to create right. change. Like, yeah, I was in that same boat. Like I was out of work for months at a time. And before that, I was there constantly. And I'm, I still struggle with not putting myself back <laughs> in that situation mm-hmm. and yeah. having that pull. But I have to remember, oh, I was literally physically not able to be there. For like yeah. four months with one pregnancy and five or six months with another, 
and it still functioned <laughs> and exactly. grew. Like we have, once you have those amazing people in place, there's no reason to do that, but it's hard to remember even after going through that struggle. So that's great that from that perspective, you even got to see it in someone else and you yeah. didn't have to learn the hard way. Well, right. And then when it came to opening something, I was like, for a long time, I really thought that you couldn't truly run a, run a business and have a family. I really mm. didn't think that because it's like having another child. Right. And like, that's going to come first. And I was like, Oh, if you're really going to have a successful business, can you really have a family too? Like how do people do all of that? Like I didn't, I didn't think that that was going to be possible. Um, and I think it happens in seasons of life. Like right now this space is not huge, but it is perfect for me and where I'm at in my life with my children and my family. Mm -hmm. And then there's the potential for it to continue to grow as my children don't need me as much. Like they become more independent then the space can grow and I'm in a different season of life as well where I've kind of been able to learn and take somebody under my wings and then like that can grow and further on as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. As you were talking now that you said you're an Enneagram three, um, it's, it's really hard to separate yourself from the things that you're doing yes. as an Enneagram three and being an achiever. Yes. It's because we oftentimes think we are only as good as our last achievement. Yes. And we equate ourselves as, I am a salon owner. I am a hairstylist. I am this thing. Not, no, I am Catrice. I am Caitlin. And I just do these things. Yes. <laughs> right? So again, to like step back and say, oh no, these are the things that I've done and they're really great, but it's not who I am. Yes. I have learned the things along the way that help make me who I am, but I am not those things. Yes. And that's totally something that I've learned in my thirties and definitely struggled with in my twenties. I had such a hard time like achieving a goal and then celebrating it, I would be like, all right, cool. And done. And we're moving on to the next thing because yes. I need that next thing to affirm that I am worthy of love and connection and all of these things. Right. Um, but it's a really difficult journey. And it I've is. talked about it before being a three. When I found that out, I was like, oh no, I don't like that side of me. I don't like that. I feel like I crave that achievement to be worthy of love. Right. That was the hard thing for me. Um, so yeah, that's been quite the journey to say like, no, I'm just a human on this journey and I am not the things that I do and I can still do them and enjoy them, but they are not me. Right. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I know it like gets a well, little see, No, when I listened solely. to it, I was like, oh, well, that makes more sense why I felt like that. Well, it was like, okay, what's the next thing that I can achieve? What's mm -hmm. the next thing that I can do? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but like learning about this, I can totally see how it showed up in my childhood too. Right. I don't know if that was for you. Once you saw that you were one, you were like, oh yes, I can remember from a very early age of just like wanting things to be done a certain way, right? Organization, um, you know, like having your beliefs and believing that that's the way, right? you know, I, can you go back to childhood and see that? Oh yeah. So, you know, that movie and now it's a musical Matilda. Yeah. Oh yes. One I'm of like, my favorites. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm Matilda. 
Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I don't actually have, love that. I don't have superpowers. <laughs> like, I can't make stuff move with my eyes. <laughs> the cards fly around the room. Yeah, or, or cards fly around the room. Um, but, like, I just can remember from a very young age, and my daughter is the same way, and she would Which one? probably... Josie, the oldest, <laughs> my clone, uh, probably would not like me saying that, but, um, from a very young age, just being like, no, I'm going to do this. And I remember even <laughs> like finding coins and like, I've got to save all of my money because I'm, I'm going to pay for my own college. Like from as long as I can remember from like being teeny tiny, I remember that because it was the right thing to do to go to college, I guess, or because it was my goal. And I'm like, I've got to save, I've got this goal and mm -hmm. I have to make sure it happens. And so like from a young age, I was literally like, we'd walk in a parking lot and I'd find coins and I'd pick them up. And I'm like, I got to save for college. I've, I've got to get these <laughs> coins. But I remember, I mean, even back to three, four, five, like, that's why I say I'm like Matilda, I'm like making my breakfast, like taking care mm -hmm. of myself, mm -hmm. cleaning my room, wanting stuff to be a very particular way. Um, but the biggest struggle for myself and Enneagram Ones is, and that's maybe what your old boss was, is I expect everybody else to be that same way. Right. And my husband has to keep me in check all the time. And he's like, no, Sarah. They are showing up to do their job. You're right. expecting how, like the expectations you put on yourself, right. you're expecting your staff to do that. And you can't expect that from them because that's not what they do. Yeah. They're not the business owner. They are not going to think to do all of that stuff. Cause I'm like, right. why didn't they do this? Or why didn't they do that? And it's like, cause they're not you. So that's the hardest thing for me is because I put such high expectations on myself. Um, I don't think my worth is in that kind of like an Enneagram three mm -hmm. would think in the doing in the doing. Like, I don't think my worth is in that at the end of the day, if I fail at him, like, well, that really sucks, but it is what it is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or my, right. my motto a lot of times now to keep myself sane is like, it's good enough. Like, nobody's going to know what I wanted it to be, but they love what it is. So it's good enough. It's yeah. fine. I think so that's a similarity. Like yeah. Like I feel like the, I don't know, to correct me if I'm wrong, but like I do, like I'm all about perfection though. Yeah. I will mm -hmm. say that in detail. And I don't know if that still falls in that. Well, I think level. that we want it for a different reason is because of the way that it presents and looks. Yeah. We want it to look a certain way. It we has do. to be, presented in this way whereas you would more so want it to be that way because it's that's the right way to get it done right there's a right and wrong it's way. just a motivational thing right that's why so many numbers can look so much alike like, but mm. their motivations are so different right like we want to achieve because that's how we feel worthy of love like yeah. the wounding message of the three is you are you are only as good as the things that you do right. whereas like ones just want to feel morally right and they want everyone to do the morally right thing yeah and, it and pisses that, me off when they don't <laughs> yeah and that <laughs> like the horrible thing would be that if you did something that was wrong that you would be morally flawed mm -hmm. so the behaviors can be so similar right but the reasoning that we do them is so different yeah it's yeah it's wild and then when i listened to it and i was like oh failure is not an option with a three <laughs> It's not like it's 
I, I won't allow it. I like know. failing is just not an option for me. Um, and sometimes it, you know, you have to go through those failures to grow. Right. Right. Failing forward. Yeah. <laughs> and then sometimes you stay like paralyzed in the fear mm-hmm. and not making changes or going to that next thing. So you're like, mm, but I'm going to do this because I know I'm going to be good at this. Ugh, right. hundred percent. Right. Like, like sign me know. up for only the things I'm good at, please. Yes. <laughs> and then when I like really get a good achievement from him, I'm like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I did that. Right. Like, but we don't necessarily want credit from it. No, or I don't want any credit. Like the attention from yes. it. There's, don't talk to I me. Don't, I don't want the attention. <laughs> yeah, like it's funny, like owning a salon, you would think. My husband has made a couple comments like, honey, are you going to be so excited? You're going to be a salon owner. And I'm like. I don't really care about that, though. That's not what I care about. Yeah, like let me do the big thing and have the yeah, big thing, but like I, like, I want to have, I want to have the space that I feel that is mine, and then I can help grow and help somebody else grow, and make them the best hairstylist that they can, you know, they can be, because that's what somebody else did for me, mm-hmm. right? They gave me that space and the opportunity. I want to be able to give that to somebody else. But I don't care about, oh, well, I'm a, I'm a salon owner now. And, you know, having the title, I don't want the attention from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, but honey, this is so exciting. Yeah, yeah. well, he's proud <laughs> of you. And, and that's like great. Mr. Positivity. And I'm yeah. over here like, eh, like, that's not really what it's about for me. But yeah. that's, okay. that's like the leaning to aspect, right? Because I'm like a one leaning to. Two. So I have that too. Where mm-hmm. I'm like, that's how I say payday is my favorite day because like, all these people are getting paid and mm-hmm. it's so exciting and you right. feel like I'm really helping these people. Yes. So that's, yeah, that, but that kind of feeds that moral <laughs> yeah, yeah. aspect right. for me too. Yeah. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm super excited for you. I can't Thank wait you. for you to be in that space. It's going to be absolutely gorgeous and it's such a great so location great. down there. What's the timeline looking like for you? I am hoping like mid September right now. Fingers okay. crossed. Blessed you know, you two months, how... possibly. <laughs> you just I never know. Not. I so hope not. I know. I know. It's when you have to just like surrender to a contractor's timeline. Yes. You know? It's tough. Yeah. Because things don't ever go according to plan. And That's inspectors. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All, All the, the red tape. It's a it's lot. lot. <laughs> Jinx. Or <laughs> then you put so much into it and then the fire marshal comes in and you're like, knock on all the wood knock on all the wood it's gonna be great yeah it's but it is there's a lot of people who you know we have the big ideas to go start something and then you're like oh and then you have to go get this permit right and then oh they want a fire system installed okay well that wasn't in my budget there's ten thousand dollars or whatever it is you know what I mean right so it's it can be a really big undertaking and super risky very and threes are great at risk but also Again, sign me up for the things that I'm good at. And if I'm not good at them, then, oh my gosh, there's lots of anxiety going on because I cannot (laughs) fail. I cannot fail. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a lot, but it's very exciting. So I will say one thing that has really surprised me, though, is how much support people are willing to give with it. Right? Um, I feel like hairstyles are kind of known in general of like, you go to a salon and generally they're if a stylist is going to be leaving or opening up a place, they're going to like 
oh, well, then your last day is this week and that's it. I mean, that's right. kind of generally how that goes, right? And not only have I had support from my previous salon owner who's had a business for 30 years, has had three different locations and has watched them grow from the beginning. And she's like, you have to remember the space that we are in now was not the space that I began, Catrice. Like, that's not where it started. And these are the things you've got to look out for and has helped kind of guide me through a lot of those things. Um, And then the salon that I'm at now, I was very surprised at their reaction when I did tell them because I am one of those people that I in ways I kind of feel like I fall to a one sometimes of I want to be morally right like I didn't want them to find out from somebody else or I mean this is a small area people figure things out really quick around here for sure of oh well you know there's going to be a new salon I didn't want them to hear like have hearsay no yeah this is going on right So I had a conversation with them and they were very understanding. Like, no, we totally get it. Like, and so we're really happy from you. Like, that's kind of the progressive, like, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, don't we all want to have that goal of having our own space? So wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it could have gone a completely different way. Yeah. I didn't really know what to expect from that. And I was very thankful and they've been very supportive and helpful in a lot of different ways, which has been really good. Yeah. Um, initially when I came over, I was considering coming over to the area. I had talked to a friend of mine, Christina, um, and she was like, you know, what you're going to find is there's a lot of small business owners that are women around here that are all about cheering each other on, Mm -hmm. right? Not tearing each other down, but really like cheering each other on and like are happy for one another. And I was like, oh, that's great. I didn't really believe her. Though I'm not I know lie. it's a nice thing to say. Huh? I was like, <laughs> okay, really? Yeah. And she's been very right. I yeah. mean, spot on. Yeah. I think um, generally, I think the competition happens in at the bottom with the scarcity mindset, right. where you're like, oh no, there's not enough clients for everybody. You know, the market is too saturated. And that may be true in some places, but it's the collaboration that's happening at the top. The people that are successful are collaborating. They're not competing against each other. Exactly. They're open. They're communicating. They're cheering each other on because to me, like there is no other way. And that doesn't mean you don't have things happen where you're like, oh, okay. Let me reframe this in my brain really quick, right? It's a, it doesn't mean you're not human. Yep. <laughs> like, oh, there's another salon opening, whatever, five minutes down the road from you at the same time. Yes, that's going to like throw you for a little bit of a loop. But the abundance mindset would then say, cool, let me reach out to her. Right. Let me see how, you know, what she's into, all this stuff, right? Yes. It's It requires a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's definitely something that takes a while to to understand, but the more focused you are on the community, then the larger your business will grow. Cause people can see through that. And it's hard to remind yourself too, because especially like if you build a friend and you might have this where you're like, Oh, someone else does your hair. And you like, it's kind of hard to be like, Oh, you know, just like for me, Oh, you go dance somewhere else. And it, mm-hmm. but, but we offer different things. Like right. we all have different styles it could be as simple as the location is right next to their work. And yeah. so they can go on their lunch break. It could be as simple as one of their friends teaches there. Um, you know, I have an example of that where once I felt that way 
And we divided our classes up because we're very developmental studios. So we're like three-year-olds are with three-year-olds, not with five-year-olds. Like uh-huh. very divided because they're just so different at that age. But that's how we do it. But other places might not. And so like I just saw on Facebook one of my friends was going somewhere else. And I'm like, why? And she's like, because I could put both of my kids in class at yeah. the same time because their age gap is wider. Yeah. And we only had Tuesday evenings available and that's when I could do it. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's like always a legitimate oh. reason. All it's right. never the story we make up in our head. Yeah. Right. Like we build it all up in our head. So I'm sure you have that as a hairstylist too. Like, Oh, I did their hair once and I haven't seen them. Did I mess I up? Feel like I was very like that in younger in my career. Mm-hmm. Right. You learn that you can't make every single person that sits in your chair happy. Right. Right. And sometimes sucks. it's freaking great if we could do that. Right. <laughs> it would be great. But you can put your best fourth effort and say like, okay, this is what I'm able to do for you. Right. Or you may not have the same visions that that person that's sitting in your chair and like what you're envisioning. Cause a lot of times clients come in and like some of the things that they say is not even really what they're like saying, like they don't know how to describe that. You got to read color. between mm-hmm. the lines. They're like, well, I like this brunette tone but I don't want to see any red I'm like well if you look back at this picture this has red in it there's <laughs> there's red in this They're like oh but they don't see these things right because that's not right. their profession yeah um but sometimes you can't make everybody happy I had to learn that really young in my clear my career and then it was well somebody in the salon might do a better job at that let me refer you to her or this is not my level of expertise mm-hmm that you need to go to her instead. Like she's going to do better on a shortcut or, you know, things like that. Um, Which will come back to you because someone else will say, hey, I went to this hairstylist and she feels like she really specializes in this. So they're not going to refer to that person you referred them to. They're going to refer them to you. Like they're going to gain a respect for you for that. I once had a client that like tell me in my chair or something. I had a question about a color. And I went to another colleague and I said, hey, will you come look at her color? This is what we're wanting to achieve. What is your take on it? And then she told me and the client was like, wow, I'm really impressed that you even asked. I was like, well, I would rather ask and know and learn than just try to figure it out on my own and then it not go well. Yeah, it should be like blue. (laughs) right? (laughs) And then eventually over time, I realized that. All those younger stylists were coming to me to ask all those mm-hmm. questions. Mm-hmm. And the clients were very aware of that. They're like, wow, they all come ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess I didn't realize that. And yeah. then you you start to build some of that confidence, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, um, what I love about coming in is I, I usually want pretty much the same thing with my hair. Right. But there's been a few times that I wanted to do something different and you are very like open and honest. Yeah. You know, if you're like, oh, we're not going to achieve that this time. It's going to take you basically two times to achieve yeah. that level of blonde that you want. I think is so refreshing because I think a lot of people are like, I want this picture and there's like a filter on it or whatever. Yes. And stylists are like, great. Okay. I'm going to go mix color instead of saying, Okay, well, there's a filter on that. So it's probably with your tone is going to look a little more like this. And we can probably achieve it, you know, in the next whatever, 12 weeks. Right. But you're going to have to be patient. Well, especially the health of the hair. I'm a big like healthy hair person. So 
some stylists will just like go after the color and achieve the color and not worry about the damage that it leaves. Right. Mm -hmm. Or be honest about that damage. Yeah. And it's like, or honest about getting bangs. Oh my God. (laughs) I want bangs. Don't get bangs. Mm -mm. I don't think so. Are you sure? Yeah, uh-huh. I'll commit to him. But are you really sure right now? Did yeah. you do that, Caitlin? Um, no, no, okay. um, not recently. But <laughs> in the fourth grade, I did chop all of my hair off, like, and still had a middle part. It was like a bowl cut. It was like a <laughs> wow. middle part, and then it like. Can it you, was like the curtain bangs, but the bangs just went around my whole head. Can you please put this on social media? <laughs> I'll have to find a picture. I'll have to see if my parents have it. I think they do because I remember looking at a school photo and I was like, why would you have ever let me do that? Um, put it in the reel. I think I need to look for an embarrassing haircut photo. Yeah, and we, we should can both do that. put it. We can do that. <laughs> and we can post some of your work yes, as absolutely. well. Um because you're you do a lot of the a lot of the gang who's been in here. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 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 That's fun. Tell us um if your website's up now, what the website is and your It's not media. up quite yet. Okay. Um because you don't want people to try and come into your construction zone. Uh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> um Katie's actually working on that now. Awesome. So we're still very in like the baby stages mm-hmm. right now. So it's all, it's all happening. It's all just going to roll together. Yeah. yeah. So you have yeah. collab with Katie doing your website. Yeah. And then did you work with Bonnie? Yeah, I sure did. She's Second amazing. Pine Design. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's great. absolutely amazing. So yeah. She could just read my mind and knew exactly who I was. It was yeah. Mon- I couldn't ask for more. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. Yeah. Where can we find you on social media? Um, it is stylist.catrice Condon um, for hair and then fee brows. Um, P-H-I-B-R-O-W-S dot Katrice. Yes. So we will look out for Harlow coming to life. Yeah. And will you do a big grand opening or? Yes. Oh, yay. That's yeah. so exciting. So hopefully I have um, Christina with Lafitte yes. helping me out some. Yes. She's been a, a great asset. She's wonderful. I've known her a long time in the area, too. It's been amazing to have so many people within this area yeah. that had followed me. All, even when they moved out to more counties, they still drove to Fayetteville for a long time. I know. You already have a little community here. I did. It's been <laughs> so nice. Yeah. Yeah. I actually reached out to Christina and was like, Catrice, w- me and Catrice are talking about you. Yay! Can you come on the She's podcast? wonderful. You guys will <laughs> love her. She's so wonderful. Yeah. She owns Soiree. Oh, yeah. awesome. And Lafitte. Yes. Yeah, that's exciting. That is exciting. All right. Well, we'll be on the lookout. We'll announce it when you do your grand opening. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks for coming in. Bye. Bye.